I'm Gabby Hi, I'm Emily Fennigan. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. Hi, this is Holly Evans. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. <laughs> Thanks for your company on another episode of Hooked on Sport. This is episode 18, but before we get into it, a reminder about the Return to Sport webinar. It features five industry leaders on physical and mental well-being. If you've got a leadership role at your club, then you need to register. It's on June the 3rd and it's free. Just go to Hooked on Sport Facebook page or at hookedonsport.com.au. Today, I'm about to chat to John Kernahan, who runs one of the biggest sporting leagues in Australia, the Adelaide Footy League. More than 65 clubs, almost 300 games of Australian rules football every week, women's and men's competitions, and John has been charged with overseeing the restart of this enormous sporting body. He joins me right after this. Hi, this is Linda White from the Aussie Spirit, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. John Kernahan, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for having me. John, are we still on track for what I believe is the July 4 restart of the Adelaide Footy League? We are, and, and we need to we need to just make sure that everyone understands that it's, it is a, a we've pencilled it in, but we certainly need to give our clubs uh, a goal to work towards. Now, whether that moves out by a week, time will tell, but we're, we're in the lap of the gods as far as SA Health and, and the government in general as to whether we can proceed on that date. Uh, in general terms, how have your clubs dealt with the fact that things have been so dynamic and changed so consistently and rapidly? Well, we've 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 found the key to this whole process. Um, and whilst it was uh, it, it started off simply keeping everyone up to date with what we thought was going to be simple changes, the, the the better the communication, the more comfort our clubs have found in how we're managing the process. So, anything that we think is significant and they need to be aware of, we forward to them. Immediately, we offer them guidelines as to how to interpret it, whatever that, interpret it, whatever that advice is. So, in the main, we would say that um, we're, we're getting through relatively unscathed. It's certainly been an excellent opportunity to reaffirm friendships and some of the banter uh, amongst our footy clubs, even at a time where we've been um, down, in downtime. Has it's been a great reminder of what community sports all about. I'm interested in a couple of points about that. Have you found that clubs that are perhaps particularly well-resourced in accounting or uh, law or financial management, they've been able to provide some assistance to other clubs that you perhaps wouldn't have seen in the past? Yeah, and uh, funnily enough, it's, it's, um, you, you're quite right. Some of those clubs that are, that are in the higher half of the competition seem to have, there's no coincidence that they've got access to those resources. So their clubs are... Um, are very well in in terms of best practice. They they are copybook type stuff. What we have seen is, and albeit only on a small handful of cases, is some of those clubs have extended their own resources to clubs that don't have access. Mm. So this is this has really brought it's brought the, the best out in our clubs. Um, adversity creates strange bedfellows. All those sayings that we're familiar with, we're really seeing that come to the fore. Our clubs are. The clubs are really um, positive and making sure that they understand that they've got to have someone to play against. So they don't want to lose anyone along the way either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you walk into this with 64 clubs or something like that. Do you expect to come out the other side with the same amount? 67, but 
um, uh, who's counting, but I, yeah. but I will say, you know, one of, one of the things we have on a yearly basis that, that isn't even related to COVID-19 is we always have a risk profile of clubs that are going through cyclical changes in their in their demographic or their of so but but it's no worse now than it would have been twelve months ago or two years ago. There's always one or two that are um, hand to mouth, uh, but but you know they've 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 reached out to us and we've been able to offer some security of where we're heading. The league is attempting to dilute as many of our charges to our clubs as possible. Mm. So that coupled with what we think will be a, a reduction in salary cap uh, across the state, I might add, not just in the Adelaide Footy League, but all those things will amount to relieving some pressure on our clubs financially. The Adelaide Footy League took over uh, the management of women's football before uh, the explosion of women's football that developed into Sandful Footy and AFL Footy. Uh, how do you see the management of that going forward? Are we still expecting to see a women's competition, a vibrant women's competition in 2020? Absolutely. In fact, uh, women's, women's football is, is, is the opportunity for growth for our league. So when we inherited it back in 2014, so that was some three years prior to uh, the AFL women's competition, we inherited a competition of nine teams. Wow. Uh, and today we have in the vicinity of 70. <laughs> so... It's the, the growth is there. Uh, it's it certainly presented some challenges in that uh, the change room or the infrastructure in, a, uh, in our clubs has still been let's call it fifties type, mm. where it's um, open change rooms, urinals, all those types of things that aren't terribly welcoming to the to the other half of the population. So what we're going to see, not only in terms of participation increase, is purely by demand. We're going to see uh, an improvement in our infrastructure. Now, when we have improvement of our infrastructure, we have improvements for juniors. Everyone wins out of this. So certainly the women's competition and their participation is a high priority for us. Across the board, are you expecting to see the competition look pretty much the same as what it always has done? Or will we see some differences when we do get underway this year? We sent out a survey to our clubs two months ago asking them to have a and it was really crystal ball stuff. We understood that. But how would their nom- what they thought their nominations would look like for their teams based on their original nominations back in at the end of October 2019. Now, we, we, we may lose a team or two, mm. but in the grand scheme of things, out of 270 teams, it's not a lot. Um, interestingly, though, there's, there's also a shift in that um, people, blokes, and you're my age, Ben, in that, they've suddenly realised that there's an opportunity to play football in a shortened competition. So where they wouldn't have played otherwise, they're now saying, well, hold on, a nine-team competition, a nine-round competition, I can handle that. Um, so we're actually seeing one or two clubs saying we've got their, the blokes that were going to give it away at the end of last year uh, because of age are playing again this year because it is a shortened competition. Right. So, so if we take COVID out of the discussion, does that present an opportunity for us going forward? Uh, that we need to have um, a shortened competition for, for the guys that are at the, the tail end of their, their playing careers and, you know, we keep them on the hook for a year or two longer. My goodness, that that's, that's, sounds like an invite, Kerners. Yeah, I know, and back pocket, I mean, everyone wants to play back pocket or forward pocket these days when, you, <laughs> when you're our age. No, no one wants to play centre anymore, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it, there's been... What it's forced everyone to do is look outside the square. All the things that we 
took for granted and things that we did normally, whether it be at club level or league level, we've got to look outside to see what the opportunities are because if we don't, we'll wither on the vine. Mm. Mm. Uh, there are other things that you've come up with. I mean, I imagine that communicating with all of your clubs would consistently be a challenge. I know you've traditionally had sort of annual uh, get-togethers. Have you been able to streamline? Have you sort of learnt a few clever ways of uh, communicating with all of your clubs over the course of the last couple of months? Yeah, well, Zoom's, Zoom's high. It's flavour of the month at the moment. And I, uh, I'll, I'll come back to the clubs in a moment, but I held my first Zoom meeting with our umpires association last week and um, there were 80 or 90 umpires involved in that in that zoom meeting and i had to moot them all it was <laughs> it was it was like a it was like a scene out of the big shed at ingham's chickens they're all plucking away in the background so we we need to with, with an organization organization our size um we need to refine that it certainly presents opportunities to make better use of volunteer time rather than dragging them into our our function center here to to have a chat whether we do that by division, so that we so that we can allow everyone to have their say, um, but I we we put out weekly newsletters to our clubs so that, that we think are fairly informative. Um, we don't have any complaints as to that being the process, but we're certainly going to have to look at. Uh, we're not going to be able to drag them in for a chat prior to any season commencing, so we're going to have to find a way to communicate um, as close to face to face as possible, and electronically or Zoom is probably going to be the way to go. You mentioned umpires. Are you expecting to get into the season with the quota of uh, – I mean, umpires is always a challenge. It's always an area that you need to source. But from a club perspective, volunteers, umpires, all the people that go into making a game of football tick, are you expecting that you'll be able to cover all of those bases? Yeah, listen, the umpires are uh, probably no different than players to clubs in that some of them have had their lives turned upside down because of COVID. So um, I'm aware of a, a couple that had to take up jobs for um, because they lost their own. Mm. Uh, listen, we're probably going to lose some, but we we also think we're reasonably we're reasonably confident that we'll retain most of them. I, we, we don't see it as a threat at the moment. Put it that way. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. Please remember to be mindful of others. Remember that this is a short-term situation and we will get through it. If we work together and are patient with ourselves, we can be patient with others. Maintaining your caring relationship. And remember that a simple act of kindness can go an incredibly long way. It can make us feel good about ourselves and make others feel good about themselves. And now back to the show. Can you run a league with fan restrictions? No. Um, and we need to be really clear that whilst we're, whilst we're moving forward in planning, we're also doing that you know, with a faint anticipation that we're going to have at least some allowance to allow our clubs to trade food and bed. Now, we accept that COVID-19 is going to be a consideration for some time. Um, but certainly there's going to be restrictions and our clubs are going to have to adapt. Uh, but, if, but if it was a blanket no fan rule from the government, I, I, we, our club, we couldn't play. Mm. It, it just wouldn't be feasible. Uh, our clubs would be stretched. And, yeah, it's, it's not on our radar to even consider that at the moment. Hence our, hence our major push and lobbying to make sure that we can get some concession to allow people to go to the footy uh, in some semblance of a, of a, of a manner that they, they're used to. 
for a lot of people, their community football club is very much a key part of their lives. Um, I know you're very heavily involved with the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. John, just uh, explain a little bit about the role that they play in supporting clubs and individuals in particular over the course of the last couple of months where we've just had no sport and no people gathering together. Some of the feedback that we've had from our clubs in that whilst we've been a partner for, with Breakthrough now for nearly two years and uh, we, we, we offered that resource uh, as as a as a vehicle for clubs to address any issues that they had. In the last two or three months, those those clubs that have manned by volunteers that are traditionally of a demographic that might have considered um, mental health to be simply a bad day are suddenly realising that they've got a group of people within their club that are, for whatever reason, uh, struggling under the, under the stress of COVID-19. So... All of a sudden, by default, uh, our relationship with Breakthrough is is going to be more important than ever because it's not just about players; it's about volunteers. They've all got their own their own lives to run. They've probably been affected at work. They're being affected at home. Not to mention self or isolation. Uh, people have been stuck in their homes for some time. So all those things are going to be a, an ongoing consideration on top of COVID. Uh, hence why we're, we're, we're just not about getting back on the footy field because we want to see footy played. We're about, we're about getting back on the footy field for the welfare of our members mm. uh, so that they can get back with their friends, get back with their mates and have a chat about all things that life has presented over the last three months. You've been involved in footy admin for many, many years now, Kerners. Has, has your... Uh, I guess, understanding of what a football club actually is? Has it sort of changed over the course of the last couple of years? Yeah, uh, it, it has, and it certainly has in the last three months as well, in that um, we, what, what winning does, and it doesn't matter what environment or what code, win, winning disguises many deficiencies. And our clubs and our league has been going well for so long, and what we've done is highlight that whilst everything goes well, we're good. When, when we're pushed like we are now, we've been able to take the opportunity to just make sure that those little things that um, have become really important now in the bad times need to, be, need to be worked on. So integration with our clubs, the general welfare of our people that run the clubs, they're all the things now that are really high on our priority list. So yes, to answer your question, it's more than footy. And I think we've, we've probably come to realise more recently that we are more than just a footy organisation. We are a community organisation. We're a community support organisation that allows people to get on with their lives and and have some work-life balance. Uh, And that's what's probably missing at the moment. John, if I can ask you to fast forward maybe uh, three or four months toward the end of September and there's going to be a Division 1 team at Gardel Security Stadium that's going to lift the Division 1 Premiership Trophy. Do you think that team will have an asterisk alongside its name at the end of the year or will they be just as deserving as Paynham Norwood Union were last year? In my mind, just as deserving. In fact, I would say, and I know it's, I know it's cliche and I accept that, but I would say for all clubs to get through this year, um, that it's going to be a monumental effort. So for a club to get through and actually win a premiership, albeit under the circumstances that we have, there is going to be no suggestion from this league that that club is any less deserving of their trophy, uh, whether it be at a team level, 
i.e. premiership, or whether it be as a Keith Sims medalist. We're, by default, we are always going to remember 2020 as being the COVID-19 year. Mm-hmm. So we don't, need to, we don't need to highlight it anywhere. We're always going to remember what it is. Um, I, I've referred to this in the past. That this is our, you're on my vintage, this is our JFK moment. We're always going to remember this year uh, as a tough year. And I don't think we need to dilute the importance of a premiership or dilute, dilute the importance of a, of a medalist. Everyone still needs to do their best to, to achieve what they achieve. Uh, one thing I've seen that you've been very, very clear with your clubs on making sure that they manage uh, all of the restrictions. How are you supporting the clubs in that and how will you police that as well? Well, uh, it, it, how we police it is, unfortunately, is at a higher level than us. <laughs> one thing our clubs have been, uh, they've given us anecdotal information, is since returning to training in the last week or be a week and a half this week, is they regularly see drive-bys or patrols going past their ovals. Mm. So we can only give them the guidelines that have been delivered to us by SA Health um, for them to adhere. If they don't, uh, it's not a matter of us being out there with a stick. We know that there are higher authorities that are making sure that um, they are compliant. And what we have been very clear to our clubs is if you don't think you can be compliant, don't train. It's that simple. So there's, there's far more on the end of this than just trying to get players running around on an oval. So they need to be very aware of their, of their responsibilities because if they're not, as I said, there's going to be higher authorities than us that are going to whack them with a stick. John, uh, always a pleasure to hear uh, what's going on from your organisation. You manage so many clubs, so many teams, so many games of football. Uh, I can't imagine the amount of uh, sleepless nights you've had, but uh, it looks like we're getting back into it. We really appreciate your time today at Hooked on Sport. It's certainly been a test, and uh, but but made all the, all the more easier. I reiterate, it's been made all the more easier by the support of our clubs. Um, so, and and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show, John. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Community footy means so much to so many Australians, and John at the team at the Adelaide Footy League, against all odds, seems set to deliver another wonderful season of local footy for a huge number of women and men across suburban Adelaide. So that is the final siren on episode 18. As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So feel free to shoot us a note, say hi and let us know how your club is doing as we all prepare for the return to sport. Thanks to Ben Watson, who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's producers, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. Be kind to one another. We'll see you soon at Hooked on Sport.